Out of the Blue, great title. What others did you consider, Gary? Well, I was originally going to call it Rhapsody in Blue, but um, somebody else beat me to the title. There's another, uh, I, think it's, I think it's a pitch book, actually. It's a publishing book that's called Rhapsody in Blue. So I had Neil Fitzsimon, I think. And I just thought, actually, because obviously the Blue for Chelsea and then Out of the Blue, because it is, it was a, a ridiculous triumph. I say of all the Champions League. And, I, you know, even going back to the early years in the European Cup, I can't, I can't imagine, and certainly my, my sort of writing about football for God knows how many years now, I've never come across a story so ridiculous for so long. You get occasional games, as I mentioned earlier, like Man United going against Bayern, the final in Barcelona in 99, and then Liverpool's come back against Milan. But that was just one game. I mean, this was this was a stupid amount of games. I mean, even if you just say it's the Barcelona to two to legs in the final, and then the final, there's more craziness in those two games than in, in any of the other editions of the Champions League or European Cup. And then there's levels of it. It's just so crazy, Johnny. I, so out of the blue, it just seemed a perfect um, because it just came. I mean, the victory came out of the blue. Nobody could see it coming. Hmm. Unlike the reckoning for Roman Abramovich, which just in case anyone wants to know what Gary thinks about it, I'm not going to ask. It's changing day to day. Um, it is... Desperately sad that should Chelsea beat Nottingham Forest in the FA Youth Cup semi-final and things stay as they are, and if Chelsea are drawn at home to Manchester United in the final, it'll be at Stamford Bridge and no one will show up. So I don't know if there will be a compromise there. And it's particularly annoying because I will probably go to that final. I won't go if it's at Old Trafford. I might go if it's the city ground. I would certainly go if it's Stamford Bridge. It might well be at Kings Meadow, uh, actually. Yeah thinking about it if, if they can't. But it's a big chance for Chelsea to win their eighth Youth Cup in the last 11 years. And some of these kids, I think we spoke last in November or December, and this was yeah. before Lewis Hall and Harvey Vale had made their first yeah. team debuts. Yeah. So, yeah. so the I mean, kids kids are looking great. Who, who catches your eye from the football you see? Strangely enough, um, you get players like Hudson Doy, um uh, Rhys James and Mason Mount, you think that they're almost sort of like established, well, they are established international players. But two years ago, they were out on loan. They were playing second division football. Rhys James was at Wigan. Um, Mason Mount was at Derby with, with, with Lampard. And it, so you get players who come through. Uh, and uh, and Christensen, who, play, who spent a uh, couple of years playing Hanover, but certainly in Germany. Bunch anyway. Gladbach. Bunch of Gladbach, was it? Yeah, but certainly, I say, certainly in Germany. And then you've got players coming through now. Like perhaps one of the stars who's been under the radar but burst into this season is Conor Gallagher yeah. at um, Crystal Palace. And he's apparently been a mark for a full role uh, in the first team. Where's he going to go? Where? Well, well it's, an interesting, it's an interesting question. I mean, um, there's talk about Jorginho being um, moving back to Italy by Juventus. Mm. I, I don't know is a short answer. I mean, a lot will depend on what happens with the, the financial situation um, because we've got players coming about a contract loan. Christensen appears to be going to ask for the question potentially mm-hmm. and um, obviously the key one is Rudiger. I hate to watch Rudiger. You just don't know what's going to happen. You, you just you mentioned about tickets. I mean, there's really two, two possibilities have been sort of well we seem to make perfect sense. Is, is one, Chelsea will give tickets away so they're not making any money. I don't know what the issue, I don't know what the issue would be with that tickets away to season ticket holders. The other thing is that they, they could sell tickets and the money go into what they call these escrow accounts, yeah. where it can be frozen in there until a new owner is to come in and take them and take it. Oh, so 
I don't know why it is, but to make this work, it, if it's all about not getting money to Abramovich, neither of those scenarios would get money to Abramovich. So if there's, there's common sense applied on both sides, I'm sure there's a way around. Ha, common sense. <laughs> You're talking about a sport where on Easter Sunday, no Man City or Liverpool fan can get from the North West to Wembley. The world is an outrage. I'm losing patience with football. Uh, the final, by the way, of the Youth Cup is on April the 30th. Man, you are already through. And by the time this show goes out on the 6th of April, uh, we'll know if Chelsea go through because that semi-final is on. It's at the city ground on the 4th of April, April 4. But we go back to 2012 again. And it was lovely to read the origin story of 2012 because you start with John Terry's penalty miss and you go through yeah. the various eras uh, very effectively Hiddink and Ancelotti and Avram Grant who was in charge when Chelsea lost the 2008 final they're all of a type aren't they do, do, any, do yeah. fans remember these eras for the scintillating football or do they because I, I don't think they said anything between them that was interesting any of them well yeah, I mean, he, he didn't, it was uh, sort of like a, um, a rescue guy. And he was massively popular uh, with Chelsea fans, took us to the FA Cup final. And we had that another infamous game against Barcelona. Ancelotti, um, I've got a massive respect for Ancelotti was at Chelsea. I mean, he, he delivered the double. Um, scored a ridiculous amount of goals, broke records for uh, wins, broke records for number of goals scored in the Premier League season. Uh, he might have broke the points record, I can't remember as well, but won the double. And the following season, they sacked him. Now, you know, I mean, that's that's given it to Chelsea. That's no great surprise, I suppose. And if you look at Avril Grant's a really interesting one. I, I think I mentioned this in the book. Terry scores a penalty in Moscow, and Avril Grant's a hero, and he gets a new contract. Terry slips on a, on a wet pitch, hits the post, and Avril Grant gets the sack. Now, whether that ball goes in the back of the net or strikes the post isn't really any reflection on the abilities of Avril Grant. So, I mean, it's just the, the sort of strange world of football that a guy can, can either be a hero or a zero, whether a guy, whether another guy scores a penalty. It, it, it's a, a whole season wrapped up in like a split second. Incredible. Who's the manager of Real Madrid, Gary? Ancelotti. Ha! How about that? Um, so, this is going to be hilarious for Ancelotti, who was employed and fired by Abramovich, and he... He took the defeat. Was he fired in the dressing room? Took it no, very gracefully. He came down after the last game of the season to Goodison Park and he came down from the press conference and he was met by... Bruce Buck. One Goodman. Oh, Bruce uh, Buck. I think it's a little early. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. It's in the book anyway. So if it's Bruce Buck in the book, it's, it is Bruce Buck. <laughs> um, but um, he was sort of sat in the corridor at Goodison Park. But he, he was very correct, very sort of respectful about the situation. And I think when that when Real Madrid go back to um, go go to Chelsea play the game, he'll uh, to get a, a, a rousing welcome because he was uh, very well respected. And he was probably the manager in recent times who made Chelsea the I say make him least hated, but sort of reduce the hate factor against Chelsea. All the other managers perhaps well they they sort of tolerated, but mm. he was such a nice guy. And, you know, then again, you know, European Cup winner. You know, Everton fans might be very happy with the way he left there to take the Real Madrid job. But, you know, what, what player at Everton, what player, what, if you're working at Everton and you get offered a job at Real Madrid, are you going to take it? Of course you are. Right. 
Um, he's delivered the title. He's definitely going to deliver the league title for uh, Real Madrid uh, this season. And yes, and and will secure Mbappe and a couple more. They've got a great team. I mean, I don't care because they're massively in debt. And uh, and well, yeah, they've got some top, top, top players. Um, I was on this kind of sabbatical period from football. I was seeing loads of movies. So 2009-10-11, well, certainly 2009, I drifted away from football, but I did see Newcastle go down in the pub. I saw the World Cup uh, where Frank Lampard scored a goal that brought in VAR that wasn't a goal. Ancelotti was fired. How many games did Porto lose in the 2010-11 season in the league? No. Correct. Who was the manager? Andre Villas-Boas. How much Russian ruble in pound sterling uh, did Abramovich pay uh, as a fee to get Villas-Boas out of that Porto contract? Nine, thirteen, or twenty million? I I can't idea. It was thirteen, actually. Yeah. Was it thirteen? Thirteen million plus he gave him. Hang on, four and a half million pounds. What's that? Ninety thousand pound gross contract. Yeah. And God knows how much the payoff was. But riddle me this, Gary Thacker, and you don't really outline it, unless I've missed it, in Out of the Blue. Chelsea's unlikely Champions League triumph. Barring Anelka, it's the same team. Why did Villas-Boas struggle with them? And Di Matteo, as interim, get the best out of them? If you can use both sides of the paper, you've got five minutes. Okay. I think there's two elements to the answer. Um, firstly, Phyllis Boas went in with this. And bear in mind, this guy was 39, perhaps at the time, not, certainly not very old. And uh, with this, what came infamous, as what he called the project, was to break the player power and reduce the age of the squad. Players at the uh, at Chelsea time, particularly uh, Drogba, Terry, Lampard and Czech, were influential, shall we say, pretty strong members of the, of the squad and resented the idea of them being sort of pensioned off, as it were. Ironically, it was Chelsea pensioned off. Pensioned off. Mm. Um, and sort of moved on at the squad. And so in the early games, Phyllis Boas left these guys out quite a lot. And in the early games of the European Cup, for example, uh, against Napoli, he left um, Cole on the bench, he left Lampard on the bench, and he played. And his, his argument was, Cole had been injured in a uh, game previous league game but he had declared himself fit Phyllis Boas said no I'm, I'm leaving you out because you're not fit and he played Jose Basingua in, in his opposite role in, as, a, as, a, as a left back when he should have been still right back and Basingua got injured after about seven or eight minutes and after which he sent Cole on and he, Cole played the rest of the game totally really played, played really well given, totally given the lie to the, the assertion that he was injured so there was always this sort of um, friction, and it grew between uh, certain members of the, of the team and the Spurs as time went on. And, you know, the phrase, lose the dressing room, couldn't have been more emphasised. The difference with uh, Di Matteo when he came in, he got a lot of Chelsea heritage already there. And um, some of the players down at Teddy, for instance, had been a youth team player when Di Matteo was winning trophies for the club in the first, as the first team. And one of the greatest assets uh, Di Matteo had got was that he wasn't Phyllis Boas. So it was a, a, a team, the players um, were different, but the attitude of the coaches, I think attitude is probably the right word, but Phyllis Boas afterwards, uh, I think I'll go to the book, 
say she made a mistake being too aggressive too early. But, I mean, this guy just won, as you say, the Portuguese league without losing a single game. And um, won the uh, Europa League as well. Well, you, uh, you wait for Cup, I can't remember what he was in those days. And so he was full of, of um, confidence and bluster. And uh, it, it didn't work for him and uh, cost him the job at the end. And, uh, and Di Matteo, as I say, the great, the great asset he got was, wasn't Gus Boas. Uh, Di Matteo was his assistant, which is fine. But I still think that first leg, which ultimately cost Villas Boas his job, about defending, you go through in the book um, with a, a fan's eye, but also an objective eye, um, the big games uh, in the Champions League especially. But it just feels like they can't defend well. And there's this great yeah. big horrible problem they have in conceding goals in the last 10 minutes. I think the stat is like yeah. 20 by February, yeah. they conceded 20 goals in the last 10 minutes. Surely yeah. that's not the manager's fault. It's it's bad defending, not bad management. Or was it? I guess the, the question is, Johnny, Johnny, in that case, is if it's bad players, how come afterwards they were better? The only the players didn't change, as you quite rightly said. The coach changed. Now, as I say, um, very few people would doubt, and Phyllis Bowers if didn't doubt that by the stage he got to the Napoli game, um, the relationship between him and the players was uh, there was a palpable discord. I think was a phrase he used about Mourinho between the players and, and and the coach then, and I think that was very much the case there. Now there's a sort of you know you could say the players weren't performing for the manager, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for all that. It's not it's not a flip of a coin. Shall we perform for the coach or not? There's a reason for it, and you know you either sort of say okay, there's the whole squad is, is wrong or one guy's wrong. Now when Di Matteo came in and changed things. It seems to suggest that the one guy was wrong. But hang on, Abramovich said that the players, not the manager, had been at fault. Do you think Abramovich was trying effectively to be the manager to try and perk the players up? He didn't say that. He said it wasn't solely Villas Boas' fault. He didn't say it wasn't coach's fault, it was the players' fault. All right. Oh, that's okay, it's okay. He said it wasn't solely the coach's fault. And of course, it isn't. You know, it takes two to tango. And um, he said you've got to perform now. And. And they did. So, so there again, that sort of suggests that the problem was Villas Boas. And you know, I say Villas Boas was canny enough afterwards. I mean, he went to Tottenham and made the same mistake at Tottenham that he made at Chelsea. And uh, by sort of you know a, a diving in with both feet, as it were, jumping in with, in with both feet, and and paid the price of, of losing the job, his job at Tottenham, and became a wiser. Mm. Chasing character afterwards and became a better, better coach because of that. And he, and he admitted that as well himself. I would love to read his memoir. There have been all kinds of memoirs. Uh, Tony Carp, the West Ham uh, head of youth, <laughs> the one club man, Tony Carr, he's got a yep. book out which I hope is read as much as Out of the Blue Chelsea's Unlikely Champions League Triumph. Yes, you did adequately answer the question, but there was something going wrong, and you they bear yeah. the stats. Chelsea had never lost consecutive home games in the Abramovich era until Villas Boas's time. Chelsea had lost five games, five, had lost five games or five without a win, and there was a there was an egregious loss to Everton. Chelsea were three 0 up against Man United and were pegged back to three three. And you you detail yeah. that game. It does seem as if the players are to blame, not the manager. It's likely that there was a problem. Now, who, who is the problem? If if a new manager comes in, you can say, like, the players were sulking, and perhaps that, and that's wrong. And Elka wanted to go, Alex wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, and they did. 
Now, there again, whether that was a case of because of those players, I don't really know, but both the players that they left there, I think it was after the Newcastle game or before the Newcastle game, you sent them to train, some of them been training with the youth players because they're not part of his plan. And, you know, and, and, you know, if you manage people, you manage people. And as a, as a coach, you're not only making players better, you're making people better or should be better people into better players because they are better people. Um, I don't know. I think it's too simple to say that it was the players' fault. If the coaching improved afterwards, then you know I think that's that's suggests coach was probably the main cause of the problem. And as I say, Phyllis um, Bowes, I think I've got this in the book. Afterwards, said you know if he was doing the job again, he wouldn't do it in the same way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I would wake up in a diff- at a different time this morning. We all have regrets. Um, of course. One one thing that I did not know that does uh, that becomes a debit for Bilas Boas, and we're not going to call him AVB, and you call him Bilas no. Boas quite rightly, unless you're quoting. Which Chelsea TV pundit was rumoured to have been a subject of a complaint from Bilas Boas? Tommy Langley. This is not good. And I've read books about Alex Ferguson where he's not happy when MUTV question the great man. But you've been there three months. Tommy Langley's played more games for Chelsea than you've managed. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I couldn't find, and I saw. I, I didn't try to find the, um, the video of the comments. Apparently, it was fairly mediocre. Um, the criticism. Um, bear in mind, Chelsea were in a, in a bit of a rut at the time. And another, just another thing about about how the players managed things. Um, it, it, at Carbon, um, they had Chelsea weren't playing particularly well. I can't remember where, what part of the season it was, but basically, the players called the players together, sat them all down, and said, Okay, guys, basically, let's have a clear the air um, session. If there's anything you know you're not happy about, then say, and let's, let's sort it out. And Ashley Cole availed himself of the opportunity to say, and he thought the tactics that played the previous little long, and he got dropped the next game. Now, that doesn't create the right atmosphere of trust in, in the rest of the players. If you're saying that this is, this is you know, a clear the air, let's just you know, take our jackets off and let's have a chat, and then you punish somebody for being for doing exactly what you've asked him to do. That's not great management. It's not great man management, let alone football management. I'm desperately looking back in my book trying to find out the name of your protagonist, the manager, who would certainly not have done that kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. John Morton found it belatedly. Um, John Morton. Yeah, John Morton, who is the hero of two books uh, that Gary dropped off in the library uh, just before Christmas. Uh, is there a third yeah. book in the works now, now that you've done no. the, the IX book? I'm choosing the Johnny. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, at the age I am now, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm hanging more pen up um, <laughs> after the IX book. Um, no, say it ain't so. Well, because you are such a fan of Dutch football from the 70s, there is no finer person uh, to write about that. Um, Chelsea in the 1970s were a heck of a team. Um, but what I, but to pivot from that, Cole, Terry, Czech, Lampard, Drogba. Have any of those five players adequately been replaced at Chelsea? Uh, until recently, I mean, I don't hate you players, Czech. I mean, you mentioned about Michael earlier. I mean... Jack and, and Schmeichel were are probably the two outstanding goalkeepers of the Premier League era uh, by a country mile. So I don't know, I mean, 
Mendy, I like Mendy. I think he's a good goal. He's solid. I don't think he's a check level yet, but I don't think anybody else other than Dutch Michael is or has been. Defence, I like. Um, I think uh, really good. has got a lot of Terry about him. Uh, so that's 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 fine. Striker, there's no drug brothers. I mean, Lukaku um, has been a bit of a hit and miss. The, the thing is with, with where Tuchel plays, his, his, his formation, his, his sort of philosophy, a striker like Lukaku doesn't work. He needs he wants a mobile striker like Havertz, which is why he plays. He tends to play more than uh, Lukaku. Lampard, a, a guy who scores that many goals in midfield. I think it's the case, I might be wrong, that he's still the fifth or sixth highest goal scorer in Premier League history. 60 penalties. Sorry, 60 penalties yeah. of 70 scored. That was the stat I learned from the book. Go ahead. Yeah, he's not even a striker. Yeah. He's not even a striker. I mean, he, he's outscored players like Robbie Fowler. Crazy. So, I, would we replace Lampard? No, I don't think he can. Um, Cole uh, is interesting. I mean, Cole was probably one of the best left uh, left-backs in, in Europe, full-backs in Europe. Reese James, I think, is, is a generational talent. Um, and there's, there's a lot of sorts of people who have debates and have put themselves about, you know, who was the best? Is it him? Is it um, Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool? I, I, I just think, you know, I just think Reese James could be a world talent. In Comes across as a nice guy. His dad's his agent. Yeah, yeah he does a lot of work, charity work as well. Yeah. Him and uh, Rashford, apparently, they're sort of, they do a lot of these sort of food bank work, which is, uh, you know, and it doesn't. It, it, it's not publicised that much, and I only knew about it because Rashford mentioned about um, about Rich James. And I think Rich James' mom does it as well, and obviously Rich James' sister is playing for Chelsea as well. Yeah. And just uh, signed for Chelsea. The lovely mom. Yeah. 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 That's so, a book. There's a book I'd love to write, which is about the philanthropic footballer, because there are all these players like Drogba in Cote d'Ivoire. The the stuff yeah. he's done. PK yeah. in Catalonia as well. Gosh, Senegal, so, yes, in Senegal. Weir, George Weir, now at Liberia. I think that's yeah. that's a really good book. I think you've just given me an idea because I was I'm working on this football fiction book. That thank you for your advice on that. That's the next yeah, one. And uh, yeah, the philanthropic footballer. It's not that footballers get a bad press. It's that they're athletes. And their TV stars watching Chelsea. In fact, I was watching the uh, World Club World Cup final on telly, yes. and it was so unfortunate that I kind of was it Palmeiras or International or Flamengo, whoever it was. Palmeiras. Um, Palmeiras. Chelsea. It was a penalty that definitely was a penalty. Then <laughs> the guy got sent off, and that was game over. Looking back over at 2012, there are certain squad players: uh, Gary Cahill, Michael Essien. Bo Singwa, uh, who was one of two players sent off in the QPR effing yes. Black Sea game, as it will be known. Um, yes. Who played for Genk against Chelsea in 2011? Which future Premier League star? Um, De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Um, now, Chelsea signed him from Genk. Yeah. Uh, we, and then we signed him. We signed Lukaku. We signed um, Mo Salah and Mourinho sold them all papers. <laughs> yeah. So that, again, Mourinho, the debit column. But yeah, Mourinho yeah. is kind of like the Boris Johnson of football. It doesn't matter what happens. He'll always have his fans and he'll always be able to do after-dinner speaking gigs, probably retiring to New York. But yes, <laughs> I, would, I, would love, I would love to hear Jose Mourinho speak on the record about what's gone on. At Chelsea, the man sacked by Abramovich not once, 
but twice. Who scored for Swansea against Chelsea? He's now at Preston. Oh, the winger. Uh, went to Man City after we yep, left. Yep, yep, yep. Also played for Celtic. Play. Yeah, I'm just never straight ahead. He played the good as well. Yeah, not, not Trevor, not Frank, but Scott. Scott Sinclair. Scott Sinclair. Scott Sinclair. It is in tra- And Glenn Johnson oh. also scored against Chelsea. So it, it's great how kind of there are six degrees of Abramovich separation. All these yeah. players who have yeah. come in and left. And you, there are a couple of players who play in a friendly and never play again. Yeah, there was. I mean, I, I think the first game for the Spurs played, and there was a guy whose name I can't remember who was. Uh, East European of some right of it. One of the itches. Right yeah. yeah, and there are a few players, and this is this is the churn. What happens, and this happens at so many clubs these days. Um, but you, you know, anybody with a sort of hint of talent gets signed, and you either make you go through the mince, and you either make it or you don't. And for everyone who makes, there's ten who don't. And you know, the loan system works, and you know, I mean, Charles is a guy who he was he was a, a, a sort of contemporary Neymar. Uh, a Brazilian guy whose name is for the moment. Yes, yes, he's yes. at Atalanta. Um, yeah, and he, I, I don't think he's played more than six or seven games at Chelsea. And he's been on loan for I don't know if he's actually sold him now, but he's been sold because uh, I wrote about this. He's in my book because he was an example. Him and Jamal Blackman and Patrick Roberts and Lewis Baker. That has to stop. Yeah. It has to stop. They're they're stopping. It's almost a restraint of trade. I and. People do, they stick at their employer because they earn money, but it's soulless and lifeless. Enough of peers on. I mean, it's a bit like when Scott Sinclair went to Man City. Everybody knew this guy was not going to make it there, but they wanted to sign him. And if you're in a position where you can say, OK, I'm going to buy It's a bit like when Lance Lottie went to Everton, from Everton. I can financially secure my, my wife and kids for the rest of my life by doing this. Even if I sit on the bench getting splinters in my backside for three years. You can understand why people would do that. And if you're getting paid more to sign for Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, whether you're going to play or not, and you might say sacrifice two or three years of your career, if you can secure your financial future, you can understand why people do it. That's another book in itself. Players who left Club A go to Club B to earn money. I, I'll call it Winston Bogard comes on. Um, <laughs> well, don't mention Bohardy. Bohardy, sorry. You're quite right. The Dutch pronunciation yeah. is... Again, I've oh, never right. heard it called Bachade. Um I'd love to hear the audio book of, of some of your books. Uh, got a couple of questions left. Who do you describe yeah. as sometimes brilliant but often exasperating? Here's a clue. His last game was the Champions League final. Drogba? Uh, same nationality, different player. Oh, oh Solomon Kalou. Oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, an earnestly trying guy, but it's just so frustrating, so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yes, yes. Occasionally brilliant, there most is, of the time not. There is a chapter on domestic affairs where, and I actually went to this cup final. I'd forgotten until I was reading all about Andy Carroll having his shot saved by Petr Cech, and it is one of the best saves oh, probably that amazing. I've ever seen. This was the cup 2012 cup final against Liverpool. Andy Carroll came on and scored, thought he'd scored again. There was no chip in the ball at that time, so it couldn't go off. It may well have been over the line, but... Who scored in one of his 250 appearances for Chelsea? Brazilian. Well, Ramirez scored. 250 Ramirez. games Ramirez played. That's a career. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he, he was one of the players, one of the unsung heroes, along probably with Morelis of the, the 2012 um, Champions League run. Um, he played, uh, he, he was a midfield player, basically. But, but in, in both legs against Barcelona, he was hugely significant. In the 
first leg, um, Di Matteo at um, Barcelona played with a back four with um, Adriano playing as, four, as a defender because PK was injured. Di Matteo clocked the situation where Danny Alves was played basically as a right winger, as he still does today, even though he's yes. 39 now. Probably pro bono work. He's doing it for no money. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he charges forward, he leaves so much space behind him. And because Barcelona would dominate the game so much, he looked safe. And Di Matteo had said, if you get a chance of a counter-attack, look to it. And he, play, he moved Ramirez from the right-hand side of the midfield to the left-hand side of the midfield to be facing Alves. Uh, if you see a chance, because he will leave space, look for Ramirez. And Messi tried to nutmeg Lampard and lost the ball. And Lampard dropped her down the right-hand side of the park. And instead of playing the ball to him, Lampard, remembering what he'd been told, looks to the left. And there's Ramirez. Um, this guy got pace to burn. Played the ball to him, Ramirez. Alves got no chance of catching up. Gets all the way down to the, to the edge of the box, squares it back, and Drogba hits the ball with his left foot against his right foot, and it bobbles towards goal. Now, Alves could have walked over and picked it up. It wasn't really going that slowly. But he sort of reached out with his foot, with his glove behind it. If he'd handed it his foot, he might have saved it, but his, his foot diverted the ball away from him into the net. So, a really freaky goal. And then in the second leg, obviously, um, after Terry got sent off, uh, Ramirez, Basim um, was, was moved from right back to centre-back to play alongside uh, Ivanovic. And was brilliant, by the way, in that game, as was Ivanovic. And Ramirez was playing as a fallback, And um, he scored this goal. And again, Lampard was, uh, got the ball off Messi and played the ball for Ramirez and ran through the, uh, the um, right flank and clipped the ball over Valdez for a wonderfully chipped goal. And in both those legs, an interesting fact, Chelsea never scored a goal in regulation time. At Stamford Bridge, Drogba's goal was two minutes into injury time. Uh, in Barcelona, Ramirez's goal was a minute into injury time, and uh, Torres' goal was two minutes into injury time at the end of the game. Yeah. Crazy. Another yeah. crazy. Unlikely, out of the blue... And um, one thing that you're at pains to point out in this book, which is fantastic. Thank you for writing it. It is a very timely to release it. Um, one of the sources that you use is a Sky TV show called Kings of Europe. Uh, you don't need to see that because Gary has done a good job at filleting the highlights of it. You refer many, many times in this book to Lance, to, Lance, to fate, to chance, to luck. I would like to put it to you that your friendship with the These Football Times guys is a similar marriage of chance and luck and fate. So what I'm going to do is push people to listen to your discussion. Um, do they know it, that you've written your last book? No, that's, that's a, the first person. Other than my wife, you're the first person to, to, to know that, Johnny. Oh. Um, no, they don't. Um, so, so no, 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 they don't. I've listened to a lot and I still have a lot to work through. I've got to listen to Aidan talking about Newcastle still. Um, yes. But do you think there'll be a kind of... Because you are the Chelsea fan of the group, there is a... Stu doesn't support anyone. Steve supports Liverpool. Paul supports Everton. Uh, Aidan's a Newcastle fan. Have I missed anyone out? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the podcast. So you will talk about Chelsea now. Regardless of what happens, you have these friends for life. Uh, I'm not going to oh, ask you which of you is Drogba, which of you is Lampard. Uh, because because you're clearly all of them. Um, <laughs> I think the, the, the big thing about, about these football times is, is although we've all got, what well, you say, apart from Stu, 
Um, yeah. We've got club allegiances. We're, we're all just football fans, basically. So we can, you know, we, we sort of, I mean, you know, at the moment, Steve and I have been advanced about Chelsea's with the book because they've been sort of competing things. But it's, it's, but it's sort of light-hearted. I mean, we, we sort of respect each other's clubs and, you know, and that's, and that's fine. And, the day was always going to come when Abramovich would have to effectively scarper. But it means, yeah. and there are lots of pieces that are written recently about how fans can have, can have more of a say in what Chelsea do. Look, it, some billionaire is going to come and buy the club. It may be Seb Coe, it may be this Ratcliffe person, not Ratcliffe, uh, Ricketts person, maybe Ratcliffe. Um, yeah. What's the one thing that you want Chelsea to do in the next year, apart from win <clears throat> Summit and keep Rudiger? Um, I think <laughs> keep Rudiger. Um, this might sound a bit stupid. It might sound a bit sort of um, affected, but the winning thing isn't that important. Uh, and I'll tell you for why. Uh, I've been supporting Chelsea since the early sixties. When I say the early sixties, I mean sixty-one, sixty-two, sort of thing. So, I mean, I was supporting Chelsea for sixty years, and for most of that time, I never expected us to. I mean, we won an occasional FA Cup. Or we won the FA Youth Cup a couple of times. We won the, yeah, no, I'm talking about. In the early years, I'm talking about the 60s and 70s. And exactly. Early, uh, you know, the Cup, Cup in 71. But aside from that, you know, we just, we just, you know, but love of late, uh, you know, we've been sort of sated with tri- with triumphs. And so uh, all the things I wanted my, to see my team win, I've seen a win. So, uh, you know, moving forward, I mean, um, yeah, I'd like to, to keep winning things. I'd like to be competitive. Um, but I'd like to have a non-controversial owner, shall we say. Um, Ricketts family aren't really ideal so I mean I, I don't know I'm like somebody who has got a love and affection for the club well you're retiring and I think <laughs> <laughs> just convert some of the Euros back into stir. no Gary Thacker your role is a, a scribe a scribe and fanatic out of the blue Chelsea's unlikely Champions League triumph uh, which is out on the 11th of April uh, this goes out the day that Chelsea play Real Madrid in the first leg of the quarterfinal. Uh, and you heard Gary say that Chelsea will go through. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we played, we played um, Real Madrid last season twice with a better team twice. And although we beat them 3-1 aggregates, the, the actual performance was much better than that. I don't think they're a much better team. I think we are a better team. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident if we don't beat them a home underway, I think we'll get beaten Madrid and the Well, whatever happens to Chelsea, there will be a football club uh, in SW6. If it turns out that Chelsea uh, won the semi-final, then the Youth Cup final is April 30th. Chelsea are looking to tie Manchester United uh, with their 10th FA Youth Cup. They put together, I think it's 200 games, 200 games with a an academy graduate in the matchday squad. Manchester United have done 4,100. It's not a competition, but it is, to Chelsea's credit, minus the owner, uh, that there is a wonderful youth policy uh, at Chelsea. And it it impresses fans, even in Spain, uh, easing into the retirement years. Have you got a title for the Ajax book? It's called The Dutch Masters. Excellent. And I guess I'll chat to you next year when that book comes out. 